Hi, I'm Jennifer Mulholland. And I'm Jeff Shuck. We're the co-leaders of Plenty. Thanks for joining our podcast, Plenty for Everyone. Each episode, we talk with conscious leaders like you to explore abundance in work and life, fulfillment in head and heart, and ways we can all work together to make this world a better place. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Plenty for Everyone, the podcast for conscious leaders. We are excited to have you here today. I am Jeff Shuck, one of Plenty's co-leaders, and as always with me is Jennifer Mulholland. Hi, everybody. Plenty's other co-leader. Thank you, Jen. And we have a special guest today, our good friend, conscious leader, marketing extraordinaire, great guy, father, person we can't wait for you to meet, Andrew Monzaleski. I'm so excited I got the name right. <laughs> you got it. Not the easiest of names. Welcome, Andrew. Andrew, to give people a little bit of background, is a marketing director at Beam Centauri. Beam Centauri is one of our favorite companies, a longtime client. And Andrew has done a number of different things there. Right now, he's managing the House of Centauri portfolio, and he'll talk about all of that. He is a wonderful example of conscious leadership, and Beam Centauri is a wonderful example of a company that is, as they call, growing for good. So marrying growth and social purpose and doing it in a really elegant way. So welcome, Andrew. Welcome. Thank you so much for the introduction. Marketing extraordinaire. I don't know. I don't know if I can fulfill that one. <laughs> I'll try. Of course you can. Well, we had such the pleasure of getting to know you through your leadership with the Maker's Mark brand, one of our beloved whiskey bourbon deliciousness. And maybe we'll explore a little bit about what we did before. But I think, you know, what we're really interested in is talking a bit about how business can do good in the world and what you're noticing as a leader of a for-profit, a large company that has international roots, has local U.S. roots, has oversight to hundreds of different brands, lots of moving parts that has had an incredible focus around giving back to society and doing good with the collective efforts of multiple brands. So we're living in such a weird time where a lot is changing and maybe we could just start there and explore what you're seeing and what inspires you of being a part of a for-profit company that really cares about giving back to the environment and doing good by its people. Yeah, having worked at Beam Suntory for about four years now, I'm really proud of the company that I work for and the brands that we have in our portfolio as well. And I've been lucky enough to work across some really special brands such as Knob Creek, which is a super premium bourbon that hopefully a lot of the, the listeners know. Of course, Maker's Mark and the work that I did with, with you all, and we can dig into that project and, and that brand a little bit since you know it dearly. And then now my current role on House of Centauri Brands from Japan, our, our parent comp company is actually a Japanese company called Centauri Holdings. And so right now I represent our Japan brands. You know, everybody's into the Jap Japanese whiskey. We also have a, a Japanese vodka and a Japanese gin that I represent. But I guess back to your question around, you know, Beam Centauri is great because we've got great corporate support about around supporting initiatives, 
trying to better the world, trying to better our employees, trying to better our customers and our distributors. And we can do that as a company, but we can also do it as a individual on an individual brand level. I mean, I think there's examples throughout our organization where we've done that. And I, I imagine that there's others who work for a company, but they also have different divisions or different brands. And so it's really interesting how we've used the company platform, you know, in certain areas. And then of course the brands um, that people love for other areas. I'd love to maybe just to go a little bit further there. It is mid-August right now when we're recording this. And I was reminded this morning, there was a quick news blurb that about a year ago, it's about the one-year anniversary of 150 or so CEOs of the Business Roundtable getting together and issuing this big statement that business should be about more than maximizing profit for shareholders. And at the time, Plenty's reaction, I have to say, we kind of rolled our eyes and I said, like, where have these people been? Because the tradition of at least certain businesses doing more than just trying to make a buck is really longstanding. And one of the reasons we love Suntory is they're perhaps the best example of this. So if people don't know that name, it's a company that was founded, I think, 1899. It's well over 100 years old. And at their founding, dedicated themselves to creating social good as they grew. So it's really in the fabric of the organization. And one of the things maybe to, to just expand on what you said, do you notice that culture, Andrew, when you're working there as contrasted with other places you've been? Is it something that feels explicit or do you kind of have to dig to bring that out? It's by far this company is the most clear in the prioritization of, of that. I've only been in the company for four years and Suntory bought Jim Bean Brands, I think over five years now. And, and the ownership, it toggled between different owners over a period of 30 to 40 years. But I think with Suntory, it's truly found a home. The Suntory philosophy is, is living in harmony with people and nature. And we hear that phrase almost every day and, and through everything that we've done. And as you know, with Maker's Mark, we've even kind of borrowed that phrase a little bit in some of the work that we did there. But really, it's about living within your communities, inspiring, taking care of nature, the resources that we've been given on this earth. And so giving back in both those areas really is, is something that is just crystal clear from an organizational perspective. And we are encouraged as brand owners as well to utilize that philosophy and bring that to life in a brand relevant way. So I can give a few examples from a corporate perspective. As you can imagine, being in the, in the beverage alcohol space, a lot of our efforts in the past have been around responsible consumption not drinking and driving, marketing and advertising, making sure that we hit, you know, we're only advertising to people of age. When we do advertise, it's in a responsible way. But I think since Centauri took ownership, that's expanded in so many ways. And we've seen that even this year, we're at a Beam Centauri level, we're contributing to things such as bartender relief, restaurant relief programs here in the, in the midst of COVID, social justice organizations, given, you know, all the unrest that we've had and, and the reforms and, and all the, the protesting and obviously Black Lives Matter, et cetera to environmental initiatives where we have really strict and visible targets of, of what we're trying to accomplish as a company. And I know this is not uncommon that this last piece for a lot of organizations, but it really is something, you know, the forefront of almost all of the leadership presentations and, you know, how are we tracking? What are our brands doing? Which, which brands are going to be able to contribute the most in this space? And so from a corporate level, we've just seen kind of the typical bev alcohol space initiatives really expand beyond that to, to more important kind of societal places. 
You know, one of the things along that thread, I mean, we've seen that working with you and other brands at Beam Centauri of the environmental focus being in harmony with nature and witnessed the emphasis on being in harmony with people. And so you're a dad, you're juggling a lot and COVID hits and working from home a lot and how you're finding being in harmony with yourself, I think would love to hear, you know, how are you juggling being in harmony with yourself? And do you see the expression in the culture at Beam Centauri supporting the people to be in harmony with themselves? Like maybe talk a little bit about the people side of that social good. Yeah, that's a great question and point to make. I mean, it's been hard. Like like anybody listening, this has been a hard year, but there has been some fruits you know, from it, some silver linings, some special opportunities. I mean, I think I, I can't be more thankful of my organization for what they provided. You know, as soon as this whole situation hit, they assured us that our jobs would be safe no matter what. We knew that our business would be impacted. They had the right tools and technology put in place to do video conference and to support, you know, whatever technical needs we needed to be able to work effectively at home. They gave us extra vacation days, if you will, some, some kind of work-free days on, on a few Fridays throughout the summer, and I, they plan to continue that as well. And really, you know, like a lot of organizations, it's Beam Centauri has largely been a face-to-face culture where, you know, we, we thrive on human interactions. We thrive on what we call Gemba, visiting, visiting bars, talking with consumers, being out with the people who we're trying to engage with our brands. And so it, it's been a big shift working from home. I think I'm sure others have that as well, but Beam Centauri has been truly supportive. On a personal level, yeah, I've got two sons, six and eight, I've got my wife, you know, she's working full-time, so we're juggling kind of who's managing the kids, who's in which office at what time. I'm in my bedroom right now, which I could never imagine working in my bedroom (laughs) day-to-day potentially. And so I think it's really taught me that personal and professional life is one. And really that probably always should have been the case, but I think it's really emphasized it now. This is something that I honestly, you guys instilled through me when we started working together on the Maker's Mark project you challenged us not to just think about, you know, with our corporate or brand hat on of Maker's Mark doing their project, but what do you believe and what do you want? How do you want the world to be? How do you want this brand to be perceived as a person as a, and as a leader working on the brand? And I think this COVID situation has really just accelerated that in my mind because that was, I was more of a person where when I first started my first job, it was one of those situations where my job wasn't as engaging, but it was the right career. It was a good job. It, you know, represented what I was good at. But it didn't really inspire me that much. So I, in my mind, I worked it out as, you know what, I'm just going to go put my head down, do my work. And then when I go home, you know, I'll volunteer with my church. I'll, I'll make sure I'm with friends and, and doing things that inspire me, hobbies and interests. And that's going to be my outlet. It's amazing how my philosophy has changed now of, you know, no, you should, everything you should do, you should give your full self. You shouldn't have to compromise, you know, your values or, or what you're interested in doing, you know, just for your job. And so again, Beam Centauri has allowed me to do that very well. I love that you just took us there. And that's such a like, first of all, I have a huge smile on my face to hear you say that. It's such a key part of what we do and what we say. And I do wonder, I don't know that any of us get it until we have an experience that we're in a place that, like, like I think we have to go through being in a job that's not gratifying and trying to do that mental trade and then getting to the end and realizing the trade isn't worth it. You know, I, I think without sounding like an old man, the older you get, the more precious your time is. And the more you see, like, that's the real gift that we give each other and the work that we do is devoting our time to it. So 
the idea that we we only get rewarded through money feels like such a limited old idea and that we should give a shit about our work. And that that's honestly one of the keys to great social impact is that people actually care. One of the incredible things about Centauri is social good is internally who they are. And if we have our coaching usually for Centauri brands is it's within you. You need to bring it further out, like let people see how you really are. And it's such in contrast to a lot of big companies now who are kind of coming late to social impact and they're trying to plaster it over the top, but they don't have the internal character that supports it. Anyway, I love this point and I'm going to actually kick it to Jen because I'd love for you to talk a little bit about something that all of our clients have heard you say, which is we live one life. It's this idea that Andrew's teed up. Like, what does that feel like? Can you just expand on the concept before we go further? Yeah, I mean, I think what you're pointing to is what we've lived and what we try and really re-inspire people to feel safe enough to break down their own glass ceilings and their own self-inflicted boxes around, I live a personal life and a professional life. It's bullshit. It's just not true. We, we live one life and we can bring our whole selves to whatever you know, is on our plates or whatever we're putting effort into or wherever we show up. That's the common denominator for all of us is bringing our humanity, bringing our skills, bringing our voice to wherever we bring our presence. And that's the gift, literally bringing our presence to our whole self, whether we're scared shitless to do so or not is another story, right? Whether we're secure in our own foundation of who we are to say, this is who I am. What's happened is we, we dress a certain way. We put a certain costume on, we put a certain face on, and then we take that mask off when we go home or vice versa, right? And that's exhausting and it's draining and it has a price in our well-being and on our ability to thrive. And so I think what we've lived and, you know, sometimes we're literally saying like coming out of the closet of our spiritual beliefs or coming out of the closet with causes we really care about, like bringing that passion forward is so important because it's why we're here. Like we are literally architected with certain skills and certain cares to apply to create good in the world. And if we hold ourselves back, typically through self-limiting beliefs and thinking, then we're doing a disservice to what we want to contribute to. And the world needs us more than ever to bring that full heart, full mind, full presence to whatever that work is. I think one thing that you lived through, Andrew, with coming to our retreat center, Heart Space in Park City, and going through our Meridian process, which is a strategic planning process, you saw and lived why we put passion at the center, right? Like we sometimes, I think, think that passion is a nice to have, or you can feel passion in people's voices about something to care about. But really architecting and extracting what is the brand, what is the company, what do the people care about? And that's the fuel that creates change. And that's needed now more than ever. And so, I don't know, I think maybe 
that's kind of a little bit more narrative about why and what we share and why it's so important now more than ever. So maybe react to that and share a little bit about living through that experience of passion and why it matters. And by the way, if you can send some photos of a beautiful hard space in Utah, I miss it very much. So it was such a beautiful place to have a retreat. And I know, I know right now not everybody can, can get there given the times we live in, but man, that was such a special place to do a, brand planning strategy session, um, getting our team all out there together with you, you all leading us and inspiring us the, the full way. But the process we went with you guys on Maker's Mark, I think it, it really opened all of our eyes on the team. So often as brand owners or business owners, you might do a planning session and strategy session and you're building PowerPoints and you're writing on whiteboards and you're in a stark white conference room. Everybody can probably picture that one time or another in their life. But just to be out in a beautiful space, getting out with nature, getting away from your computer, away from your phones, and spending three or four days just to really dig in and talk about kind of our personal lives, our professional lives, the brand that we want to represent, and what we want our brand to be, as you said, with passion at its center, was really an inspiring process for us and for our whole team. And, you know, I, I've told you guys before, it was somewhat uncomfortable, I think, for us, because... Again, we're so used to this typical process of, oh, we're going to do a half-day session in the conference room and put your laptops down, but nobody really does, right? And you don't really open up and get away from it all. And so, again, to, to spend three or four days and, and to really start from the beginning of what this brand is all about, I think, I think people respond best to businesses and brands that, where they can see the people and, and either physically see the people or know about the people or just feel the passion of those people and, and what they care about, what they stand for. And I think that passion shines through then, um, and it comes through as authentic. Your point about a lot of brands trying to bolt on a social purpose strategy. I think what was great about what we did with Maker's Mark was it was right in front of us. It was things that the brand had already always represented down in, in little Loretto, Kentucky, but nobody in the world really knew, knew these stories and knew what it was all about. It's, it's like, how do, we bring, how do we bring that out to the world and how do we start to inspire the world to be as a brand that people generally know. I mean, most people know Maker's Mark, but really inspiring us to be a, a word beacon. I remember we, when we were at our session, we were like, how can we, we were climbing up the mountain. And as I was looking down on the beautiful ski resort below, I was thinking, man, this is, we can inspire everybody below as a brand. We take the right actions and we, we show up in the right ways. And so again, it was, it was an incredibly fruitful process for our brand. And it, it's instilled, I don't work on Maker's Mark currently, but it's still inspiring that brand team today and, and all the decision-making that they're, they're undergoing. You know, honestly, it was really inspiring for us, too. And it's a reason we've worked with Centauri on a number of occasions now. And I never really spent any time thinking about the craft behind the liquid. And so as part of this engagement, we had a chance to go down to the distillery in Loretto, Kentucky, which is an incredibly beautiful, talk about harmony with nature, an incredibly beautiful place that's worth the trip. You know, one of the things that we learned, and I distinctly remember us going through that tour with you, is the craft of making the liquid is distilling it to its essence, literally. You take all this stuff, and the raw material is really great quality stuff, but then you, you boil it, and you heat it, and you cool it, and you stir it, and you be really, really patient, and something emerges that's much more concentrated and much more pure. And Jen, I feel like we've used that analogy 10,000 times since then about, you know, getting to the heart of either your personal values as a leader or your values as a company. And 
I think, again, to go back to what we often see doesn't work in social purpose is kind of adding all this crap onto other stuff you're already doing and thinking like more is better. And usually more is just more. It's just louder and noisier and more confusing. Often we've used that analogy of, you know, getting a distillation, getting to the essence. And I even remember in that engagement, Andrew, you were great at saying, you know, sometimes we'd suggest language or we would say, this is what we hear you all saying. You were great about letting it sit mulling with it you always Andrew would always say can you send me the powerpoint because I want to I want to mess with it and you'd come back with something that was more you right that was more no I think this is how we'd say it just the power of patience Jen this has come up on kind of every podcast we've done but you really see it and you can't make whiskey without wanting to be really patient and there's something I think so poignant there at a time when everyone's still trying to run at the same pace that they used to. Yeah. And doing that. And like, I think the dance between the personal and the professional, the organizational and the individual, like this is the theme, right. Of the soup of organizations are made up of people. And so how do we really see support and hear what our people, what we in ourselves need at the core essence, like distilling the, distilling what we care about, distilling what we're good at, distilling our purpose. Why are we here right now in a very complex, confusing, uncertain time? And it does feel like this forced pause in some cases has helped us reduce the distractions because we were running really fast in a complex environment. And the joke at Beam Centauri, Andrew, that you've lived and breathed is the conference room shuttle and shuffle, right? Of just how many people are in and out. And the joke is everybody's getting kicked out of the conference room because it is just chaos in that, in the, in the office, right? Every time it was just the giant joke it's really hard to even describe it, but every Zoom call, you're, you know, somebody's coming in or conference rooms getting confiscated. And I think living in these times of slower distillation of really getting to the heart of what we as individuals are here to do, where we're here to serve, how we can contribute that's authentic to each one of our stories and each one of our paths and as a business, how do we get to the heart of the strategy? Like that's really was the tagline about Meridian and the process you went to is we want to help get to the heart of what you're here to do. And often that's not putting more PowerPoint pages to the deck. And often that's not more sentences added to, you know, the messaging and comm communications. How are you, I think, making sense or how are you distilling like what is really important to you now as you have moved up the chain and leadership, as you have a broader view and influence of brands and as you're engaging the Japan kind of ethos and heritage and liquid, if you will, how are you making sense or distilling what matters most in these times? I love that that analogy that, that you were getting at there, slowing down to move fast. Like I think that's, you know, at, at Beam Centauri, like other organizations, we tend to just move so fast all the time. And it really is important sometimes to slow down so that you can move fast and you can move fast, you know, with, with more clarity. 
I think that was a, another learning and benefit of our, our work we did with you at the Meridian, through the Meridian process. For me in my current role, it's, it's been really interesting because I worked on House of Centauri. You know, I was on Maker's Mark for two years. I'm on House of Centauri now for seven months. In my profession, in my company, in my type of role, it's not uncommon for us to move around brand teams, you know, every two years, two and a half years. You know, one thing that I, I'm very mindful when, because we do that is that, and, and this is our, our president of brands, Jessica has said this before, we are only a few minutes in the life of these brands with our work on them. And so how can we leave them in a better place or how can we guide them to a better place? We can't usually reinvent them or make such drastic changes to kind of completely reinvent a brand. I've taken that approach, you know, with Maker's Mark, that brand's been around forever, right? It, it, it's been around for, I think, over 60 years now. I knew that my time may not be maybe finite and, and maybe only a few years, and it was. And so I really leaned into being inspired when I went to Loretto, Kentucky, getting on there as much as possible, talking to the, the Samuels family and, and Rob, who leads the ship now, to inspire, to understand, you know, the history and what makes that brand tick and to help make sure that I could make a difference and I could bring that story to the forefront with consumers, with bartenders, with our distributors and our sales teams. And so on House of Centauri now, I, I'm taking a similar approach. Again, as you said at the beginning of the call, Centauri was founded in the 1800s and a lot of our whiskey brands have been around for a very long time, almost 100 years now. I think we've been producing whiskey. I'll give a quick example and I'll be honest, I, I didn't have all the right answers here, but when, when the, the George Floyd protests were happening and all brands were making decisions, we quickly gathered as a team on, on House of Centauri, Centauri Whiskey especially, what are we gonna do? What should we say? What are we gonna do? Every brand team was having this discussion. And of course, at a, at a Beam Centauri level, we were also engaging with our leadership of you know, how, how are brands to engage, how is Beam Centauri to engage. It ties back to the example I gave back at the beginning of the call. As an organization, we decided you know, we're gonna make a commitment to support organizations that promote racial reform and racial social justice. But at a brand level, if you can do it in a brand authentic way and you can put actions behind your words and it's kind of your part of your ethos already, you know, you should feel free and open to do that. And so for Maker's Mark, for example, I, I believe they posted and they've, they've donated and they've worked with, they've already been working with African-American organizations. They've won a Best Bourbon Award with Black Bourbon Association, I think, last year. And so it was very authentic to that brand to be a part of that conversation. For us on House of Centauri, again, it was a difficult decision. We didn't end up posting anything externally facing. And there was a few reasons for that. The Japanese are typically a humble people. They're not outspoken. They don't necessarily get involved in discussions um, that have more, quote, controversy to them. Working with the Japan team, just try to put everything on the table, the why or why we shouldn't do it. And we didn't want to just do it to post a social message. You know, we wanted to make sure we were doing something if we did it. So ultimately, we didn't do it because it wasn't necessarily part of our brand ethos. But what I can tell you we did do is as an internal team, we looked at our team here in North America, my team, and we saw not a lot of diversity on our team. I mean, we've got the Japanese hardware team in Japan, but we've got you know, a lot of, of Caucasian white people like myself on the team. And we said, you know, how do we promote more diversity and inclusion within our team and within our network? For example, our three ambassadors that call on bartenders and try to inspire them with our brands, not a lot of diversity. And so one of the things we're exploring right now is hiring a new ambassador resource that not only would be more diverse and bring diversity to our team, but would have a focus as part of their job title of bringing more inclusion and having those conversations and, and figuring out how can our brands help in an authentic way and that makes sense for House of Centauri and Centauri Whiskey. I love that example. And I feel like this has been another undercurrent of our podcast the last few months. And you just 
gave an example of something I think we've said almost every episode, which is anti-racism is an issue that involves everyone because everyone has a role to play in it. I love the authenticity of saying, where, where do we have a voice here? And if sometimes we have to start at square one and we all have to start with ourselves. So that feels so much more authentic and much more likely to have long-term positive impact than writing for social posts or taking out a big ad in the Tribune. So I, I like that analogy, Andrew, because it's like cleaning up all messes. You have to get messy. <laughs> you know, you have to get messy to clean up the mess. There's just no other way to do it. And sometimes that starts with saying, wow, we, we can just do better ourselves right here where we are. I think we're coming into a, you know, another 12 months where we're all going to have those choices to make all the time. And I just, I like that example of starting somewhere and moving past platitudes because platitudes aren't getting it done, frankly. Yeah. And I love that the, what you also are speaking to Andrew, that we're trying to encourage more brands and companies and people to follow is that idea of looking at the situation, whatever that is, from multiple different views. Because when you were talking about like, how do you respond in an authentic way? Like you, there were a lot of different issue areas, cultural leadership that you had to take into account. And it's almost like you have to put it all on the canvas, right? And sometimes it's like taking off, we have to see it all first, if you will, before we can distill what what we're to do and what we care about and what is the most important area to focus on. And when we're running so fast or there's all these pressures or news channels are coming with different information that's conflicting and it becomes really confusing to sort out. I think many of us are there. Like, what do you pay attention to? What is true around COVID, for example? It just honestly depends upon what channel you're tuning into and whether that resides and resonates with your belief system, whether it's true for you. But it feels like we've got multiple messages going on right now. And potentially a path is to, we call it see what is. So with detachment, with an observation eye, with the observer mind to say, I'm not going to plug into any one of these approaches or ideas or situations with judgment, but I'm going to see it all. And then you put it into the soup to say, what stands out? Where are the synergies and overlaps? Where are the interconnections? Is there a theme here? And then how is that resonating with my own truth, our leadership team's truth, the brand's truth of what we care about? And that I think is helping to distill what and how we act rather than scatter plotting kind of like a reactive story or message or response that often comes down to us whether we've created the space to actually be more intentional with what's aligning to do something rather than reacting because we can. That's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, again, slow down to speed up. I mean, there, there is a lot of pressure in those situations to act quickly and make a decision quickly. And I think Consumers, 
expect the bigger brands to say something and probably more quickly. So Jim, take Jim Beamer makes mark, for example, within our own portfolio. Like I think there's a certain expectation is like, okay, Jim Beamer, are you with us or are you not? You know, and there's millions and millions of consumers waiting for that. You know, with, with my brands currently, they're, they're more what we call seed brands here in the U.S. And there's not a huge awareness level between brands like Haku and Roku and Toki. That doesn't mean we shouldn't care about it or we shouldn't say something. But I think it is an interesting point that, you know, whether you're Starbucks or you're Coca-Cola, like you are that beacon that we talked about earlier. And, and consumers are looking to brands to understand where they stand. How can they make a difference? And do they align with their values? Yeah, well, you know, I'm going to go back to the analogy of distilling great whiskey and say that patience isn't the same as doing nothing, right? So we talked about the distillation process a few minutes ago and it's slow and requires patience, but it's a very active process. There's steps along the way that have to be taken. You know, the temperature has to be at the right place, the right yeast gets added, things get stirred at the right time. And I think sometimes we see leaders equate patience with doing nothing. And sometimes patience does mean pausing, but often patience in leadership is a really active process, allowing yourself rest so you can get better ideas, taking time to solicit the input of customers and stakeholders requires patience, but it's an active patience. I think there's something interesting there that you're, you're bringing up, Andrew, about Slower time to action doesn't mean necessarily weaker result, right? Just means being methodical and thinking through what you want to do in a way that's authentic to you. And I think we go back to our work together on makers. That's another thing that really comes out of that brand is slow, steady progress, deliberation, deliberate decisions. You can get really big and successful that way. Yeah, Maker's Mark has been super consistent over time because of that. Can't necessarily say that for all the brands in our portfolio. So a lot of respect, again, for the, the family ownership there and the influence of, of the folks who work down in Loretto, Kentucky. And by the way, a lot of folks have tried to speed up the whiskey making process. There's all kinds of companies working on how can you make whiskey faster and still have it taste the same, but nobody's been able to crack that code. It really does take that, as you said, active patience over time to create a really, really, really tasteful whiskey. <laughs> Yeah, the flavor changes, right? I mean, it does. It just, you can't sacrifice sometimes the timeline and the process. And in hindsight, you know, we often talk about at Lantern, our leadership retreat, like when we look back, you can see the yellow brick road perfectly laid to get you to where you are today. And your path makes sense. You can, you can see the struggles and the losses and the opportunities and the challenges and the career steps that have gotten you prepared for this moment. And we would say we're all prepared for this moment. It may not make sense to us. Like the process of patience, the process of distilling oftentimes doesn't make sense until you know it works, until you trust that actually the same amount of yeast is needed every time or the same amount of curation to get to the blend of flavors and the ingredients is not something you want to skip and rush, right? Or shortcut. And I love that analogy because we can apply that to ourselves personally, right? Of having a little bit more patient with ourselves right now as we try and architect a new future. What does our world want to look like? What is our society What's on offer? What can become of our awakening of what's not right? 
to create what is right, to create good in our business, whether you're in the social sector or not, whether you're a nonprofit or for-profit, it really doesn't matter. It's we're all capable of co-creating a new future. And I think in this pause, would love to hear Andrew and Jeff, like, what, what are you most hopeful about as we come out of or as we architect and literally curate a new future for ourselves and for businesses? Do you have high hopes? What does that future look like if you could create that canvas of change? Andrew, do you want to take a stab at like, what are you hopeful for in your role as a leader, as a dad, for your children and your family? What do you want to see change? Yeah, I think in the climate that we're in, it's hard to be hopeful sometimes, but I I do remain optimistic and hopeful amidst the difficult year that we're going to emerge in a better place. And two quick examples, I said I wouldn't do this, one professional, one personal, so actually they're, they're both both. But I think people traditionally have looked to nonprofits and even the government at one time for guidance and leadership in ways of supporting communities. But what I'm excited about is that for-profit businesses now more than ever can play a really huge role and we shouldn't shy away from that because consumers care. Consumers demand it. You know, all the, all the research we've done is that they want to hear from brands. They want to hear brand opinions. They want to hear brand support. And so I think that's, that's really exciting working on brands is that we can really lean into our passions, know that our consumers want us to do that as well. On a personal level, you know, we've, we've learned that we can work remotely. And again, I, I can't imagine that I haven't been in the city of Chicago since March in my office. And yet we're getting a shit ton of work done. I mean, we're, we're getting almost everything done that we could have. Now, with that said, I, I very much miss meeting with people, seeing people's faces in person. I still don't think you can 100% replace that for every situation. But I do think it will be a, a fundamental shift in how we work in the business world and, and any kind of job that you have potentially having more flexibility, being able to work in different locations, not having to worry about where the corporate headquarters are on a personal level. You know, I was able to coach my son's baseball season once it was finally allowed to play in July as a head coach. And there's no way I could have committed to that. If I had to be downtown every day, I wouldn't have been home in time for evening practices and night practices, things like that. So it's that, that was a huge benefit of this all. And maybe that'll be possible next year with COVID taken care of. And, and maybe that's still a possibility. And that's, one of the silver linings of all this as well. I love that. I have so many of the same hopes and so many of them, I think just in general, we share our very first episode about what it means to have a, an orientation towards plenty. The idea that there is enough, that we are enough, that we all have enough. And I think, Andrew, we've probably said this on every episode. I think we're all, the country, the world has paid a big cost for this lesson, which needs a reckoning. That being said, there is a real lesson here about where real community comes from. And I'm very hopeful about the emergence of authentic community replacing kind of the virtual communities that we've all had to be satisfied with. I know my neighbors more than ever. I've spent more time in my garden than ever. I'm spending more time slowing down and talking to people and talking to my own kids. I'm not outsourcing their education to someone else, like quite literally this year, since they're taking school at home. And all of those things feel like real signs of hope that the next wave is, is a way, the emergence of community instead of 
looking to leaders to save us. We can all be the leaders for each other. That said, I look forward to the time that I can get on a plane and go back to heart space because I do miss that part of the work dearly and miss the chance to have these conversations together in person. But I don't know that I appreciated it as much six months ago. And so I'm hopeful for a reorientation towards community. And I think the divisiveness, I hope, that we see all around us is being exposed, that it's not a useful tool except for people who want to keep us in a place of fear. And I think there's more people who want to be in a place of, of love and abundance. And that's a nice way to kick it to you, Jen. You got to answer last. What are you hopeful for? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, share the vision of plenty in a world that we can all see that we're capable of creating an abundant life for ourselves and each other and making this world a better place. I'm really hopeful that there is an awakening of consciousness happening. And I hope that we are part of that influence and movement so that we wake up to our interconnection, our connectivity, that we are not alone. We're really not different. We are the same human being underneath our skin color and our size and our shape and our ethnicity and our culture. And my hope is that as a result of really seeing each other more the same, that we're able to listen, we're able to help, we're able to work together in a much more harmonious, co-creative way. I'm hopeful that the fighting stops because I really believe that what we focus on forms. And as we're fighting against something, we're giving it power to grow. And so as issues of disparity and injustice rise, I think we have an incredible opportunity to see how we meet these issues from a place of love and acceptance and shared connection rather than pushing against something that seems so different than what we are inside. So there's a lot I'm hopeful for, but I, I feel like we're on the cusp of a major paradigm shift we've talked for years and there's a convergence of pressure of change that hopefully will help us as business leaders and owners and mothers and fathers and leaders to say, what is this better world we want to create? And believing that we are capable and worth it and powerful enough to create that future we see. So more to share and thank you for throwing it back. But we're so thrilled, Andrew, to continue our friendship with you and really see the incredible work that Beam Centauri and you're doing internally and externally and really appreciate you sharing your time with us. Great. Thanks so much, Jen and Jen. You guys are, are absolutely lifetime connections for me because, again, to wrap the theme, this for me at least, you both delivered on a, a professional project for Maker's Market we have, but you've also inspired me in, in a way uh, that's enriching to my personal life in the way that, that I think about the world, my profession, my family life, and then how do I tie all that together? So thank you all for that. Thank you, Andrew. Monzaleski, Monzaleski, Monzaleski. Yes, say it three times fast. Thank you so much, Andrew, and thank you everyone for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard or are leaving feeling more hopeful and more stimulated, we hope that you'll hit subscribe and give us 
a rating. We do read all the comments that we get and we really appreciate you being here. Hope you'll join us next week for another incredible conversation. Take care. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Join the conversation and learn more at www.plentyconsulting.com.